you see departments that don't ever do anything on social media, but then something bad happens in the department and then they're all over the place. Everybody's like, oh, now you're here. Now you, you know. <laughs> What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are mine and those of my guest. Today's guest is a brother by the name of Brent Fenton. Uh, you might know him more uh, by the name of Firefighter Fenton. He uh, has made uh, quite the mark in social media land, uh, Instagram, etc., with uh, uh, a continuous stream of videos uh, with Firefighter Fenton, and it's freaking hilarious. Anyways, we have a wonderful conversation today um, about all of those things. Please enjoy. So, Brent, thank you for taking the time and sitting down with me. And uh, we uh, we met many, many moons ago on the on the uh, ambo ramp at deer valley hospital and i'm sure you don't remember that <laughs> and so um it's funny because the uh well anyways i <laughs> let's i want you to to introduce yourself and uh and share a little bit about who you are i i, I would try but i wouldn't do it justice <laughs> and um and then i want to talk about um all the stuff that you're doing on social media the videos that you make and because they have really struck a chord a humor chord in the fire service i think and yeah. uh it's really very cool what you're doing, uh, but we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll get to that. So tell us a little bit about yeah. Brent. Yeah, so uh, I am I'm married. My wife Stephanie. Uh, we've been married for ten years. We got four children, uh, ages six, four, two, and one. So it's busy around the Fenton household. I've been a firefighter for about sixteen and a half years or so, and been a paramedic for the last twelve also. So yeah, do that. Been doing social media for it's crazy now, like ten years. And uh, it's been a fun ride. What? Um, so let's let's talk about this though. Where did you Where did you grow up? Are you from the valley? Are you from Arizona? Yeah. So I am born and raised uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I've lived within probably thirty miles of any house I've ever been in. Oh yeah. I, yeah. My first house was in Surprise. That's the farthest away I've lived. I grew up about two miles from where I live now. So I've I've been uh, local to Phoenix my whole life. Nice. So you're not an so. adventurer necessarily. <laughs> Desert rat. Oh, I am. <laughs> I am, but I just have literally zero family outside of Arizona. So, <laughs> well, that's you know, man, it's funny because the idea that we we do anchor ourselves back where our family's at, right? Especially once you start having kids, and yeah, you know, I tried to make a run for it when I was coming out of high school, mm. and um, and once we started to settle down, my wife and I, where where did we land? Right back where family was at. Yeah, you know, so it's uh. That is definitely the draw. There's a lot of great places to live, but it's good to be, you got to be close to family at some point. Yeah. And I, I love it here. You know, I mean, it is hot in the summers for sure, as we're experiencing right now. This year has been terrible, <laughs> but, but you know, it's only a few hours from, you know, you drive a couple hours north, you're in pine trees, it's cooler. You can go, you know, five hours to the west and you can be at the beach in San Diego. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. It is a great pivot point. Right. And, and really I always say nine months, but let's be fair and say eight months out of the year the weather is perfect. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and so, and so it is a good place to be. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Our winters are mild and our summers are, our, the shoulder seasons are fantastic and the, mm -hmm. you know, summers suck a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's a dry heat, right? Yeah. So who cares? Yeah. Get over it. Right. <laughs> so did, uh, is your wife from here as well? Uh, yes, she is from here. Yeah. Yep. Nice. You didn't travel to some exotic land and scoop her up. <laughs> no. <laughs> you picked her up right here in Arizona. Yep. <laughs> right on. What um so so how did you end up in the fire service? You know, uh a lot of people don't know this, but I was actually I come from a family of police officers and I was actually You're the turncoat. <laughs> yeah. I was actually gung ho to be a cop, believe it or not, uh, all through high school. And then right towards the end of high school, uh my dad worked for Phoenix Police for twenty six years and he had some Pretty bad experiences towards the end of his career. Um, sad, really, with uh, when his best friend was killed. Um, one of it when he became a brand new sergeant. Uh, one of his officers, he was two weeks a sergeant, uh, and one of his officers was ambushed and killed. And so that that was right when I was in um, when I was in my senior year in high school when that happened. And he was just, uh, you know, he he told me, "Look, I'm not going to your funeral. Go be a firefighter." Everybody waves with you with all their fingers. 
<laughs> you know, nobody's right. nobody's trying to kill you guys. He's right. like, it's only getting worse. And of course, you know, we all see the climate now and it is getting worse. And so he's like, yeah. go be a firefighter, go do some ride alongs, you know. And so I went on some ride alongs actually at Phoenix Fire Station 24 um, with some of the guys that actually grew up on my dad's street. And, you know, he was in Maryville, the, the bulk of his career, about 19 of his 26 years in nice. Maryville. So he hung out there all the time. And so, you know, I went on a ride along and the ladder captain was actually uh, nice enough to let me stay 24 hours. And at about three o'clock in the morning, we got a house fire and I remember responding there. And as we were pulling up, it spread to the neighbor's house. So it was a double house fire. And I remember seeing the engine guys, you know, taking that line, going in that front door, disappearing in. And I was just like, this is amazing. This is what I'm going to do for sure. You know, and then that was, it was kind of the bait and switch because I felt like this is what they do every single day. (laughs) Sure. Well, I think everyone gets that kind of the, uh, the Hollywood, uh, misconception, right? Like we have this feeling that it's always like that. My very first ride along, uh, was in a very quiet part of the valley, right? At Sun Lakes, and they hadn't had a fire. I, I want to. What I remember them saying was like it had been like two years. That's what I remember. Oh, wow. I could be wrong about that, but that's yeah. what I remember. And I'm not there thirty seconds, and they tone out and go to a, a really good work and house fire, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. And we get back on the we get back on the rig, and they're like, yeah, we haven't had a fire in two years. <laughs> and that was that was amazing. Yeah. And the fact that you showed up, and I'm like, well, I don't believe you. This is I believe this is how it is every every day, all day. Right. And I'm sure there are some places in the world uh, where it is like that. Right. Yeah. I think of like Detroit. Yeah. Right. Where they are just going through. They're going through it, man. Oh yeah, I definitely I think same thing. Yeah. Anything back east, you know, where yeah, just older construction things like that. Yeah. It's just yeah. I feel like they're definitely fighting it. A lot more than we are just, you know, yeah. shoot. I think the fire codes is the biggest thing, you know. <laughs> well, that's got a lot to do with it, right? The type yeah. of construction, the nature of the fire code and how it's evolved over years. And, you know, right. we've got a lot of young buildings here and yeah, yeah, sad, but true. And, you know, and I don't mean that. <laughs> Let's be clear. I don't want people's stuff to burn down. Right. Yes. But I don't I do. wish it on anybody. No, no. But I do want to be uh, on shift when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be there when they're calling for help. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that so the the bait and switch happens. So you get the hook gets it. How old are you at that point? So I was um, seventeen when I went on that ride along, and uh, um, and yeah, I, I when we went there, I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. And so I just started, you know, I, I started researching what it took to be a firefighter, you know, and and uh, coming out of high school, I went straight, I went straight to a local community college. And we, uh, I got my EMT. Um, that was actually in 2001. 9-11 actually happened while I was in EMT class. And then, uh, yeah, I just kept doing ride-alongs and testing everywhere. You know, I just didn't put all my eggs in one basket. I just literally was, any test that came along, I took it. And even if I wasn't qualified, like not even having my EMT, I just did it for the experience, you know, just so I could learn. And that was what my dad was telling me. My dad was like, don't pass up any opportunities. Just do it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. You could land a, a great opportunity, and it may end up being a stepping stone for you, or a learning opportunity, or it could be where you lay your you know lay your head for the rest of your career, right? right. So, yeah, you never you never really know. Yeah, um, it's it is. You find out though once you start going out there and and riding along and visiting yeah. with people and talking to people. I think that's one of the things that is really important that we tell our young folks is you have to go out and ask questions. You got to mm-hmm. go out and explore get to know the the jurisdictions that you're looking at and you know try to identify what's important to you as a as a would-be firefighter, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I get I get guys messaging me all the time, "What do I need to do to be a firefighter?" "Hey, I'm I'm going to test for my local fire department. What are some tips and things?" And I'm just like, "You know, I don't know the culture there. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what it's like. I would suggest you just go knock on the door and introduce yourself and know that that reputation starts right then." You know, That's, bring them something, you know. Yeah, show up with ice cream, <laughs> Show up right? with ice cream, say, hey, I'd like to ask you some questions, and then just go from there, you know, and say, you know, I, I tell people, like, I'm not trying to, you know, brush you off. I'm just saying, hey, you know, uh, don't just Google this. I mean, you can, but go and actually talk right. to people. You need right. some communication Well, skills. and <laughs> what you see on the department's website from Googling right. is a whole lot different. Oh yeah. When you sit down at the kitchen table with some folks and hear with the real deal. Mm -hmm. Right. And actually ask a couple of very good questions and then sit back and listen. Right. You're going to actually learn a lot more about that organization. If you, if you do that versus, you know, just going in blind or trying to Google it or, yeah, you know, for sure. 
No, that's a that's a good tip, man. It's funny the the piece that re- resonates really with me is this idea that you showed up you show up with something in your you know show up, and I don't mean like literally with something in your hands, although that's right. helpful. The ice cream, yeah, <laughs> right. But showing up with some some well considered questions, mm-hmm. and don't just show up and say, "Hey, oh yeah, I just want to see what it's like here," mm-hmm. right? Well, you know that's going to get you maybe in the door, but yeah. but having some really thoughtful questions about what. Uh, the culture's like, what the expectations are, mm-hmm. et cetera. Or maybe even you've given some consideration to uh, the expectations for a new firefighter. You've talked to some other people. Show up and say, hey, here's what I what I think it is. Mm-hmm. And you offer that up and you put that on the table and then you wait for the reply. Well, yeah, that is true in some places, but not necessarily here, et cetera. Um, and, and I would extend this out to the promotional process as well. Mm-hmm. You hear people say, hey, you got to go make relationships in your organization. And people perceive that as, uh, you know, you got to go hobnob, you got to go, yeah. you know, get into people's pockets and whatever. Yep. I'm trying to say that in the politest way possible. <laughs> yeah, oh, I right? get it. I get um, it. <laughs> but the but the reality is, you do need to build relationships, but mm-hmm. relationships can't be built on false on 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 uh, on uh, on BS. They have to be built on something real. Mm-hmm. So actually, really consider what you're trying to accomplish, and then go ask some legitimate questions. Right. Yeah. Sit down with somebody and say, hey, listen, I'm thinking about becoming an engineer. I've given some thought to what the responsibilities are. Here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, it, the, you know, the, the managing speed, driving, taking care of the apparatus, blah, 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 blah. What do you think about the thoughts that I'm having? Right. And they go, oh, yeah, OK, well, you're on the right track or you're not or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway, my point in saying all that is. Go and ask questions yeah, for and sure. ask thoughtful questions. I think that's huge. So. um so you're shooting back to you. Yeah. <laughs> so you're shooting, you're shooting, you know, all around the, you know, taking a shotgun approach. Yeah. Right. Shooting all around the matrix, trying to find a way in. And, um, is that how you landed where you are now or did you yeah, land somewhere I, else first? I just, uh, no, I've, where I'm at now is where I've been, uh, since day one, really. I just, I tested around. I took a bunch of different tests throughout the Valley. Um, I was fortunate. It, it really only took me a year and a half, uh, to get hired. I know, uh, the group that I got hired with, there was 12 people. Um, and, I was the youngest by far. I think the next closest guy was like, I got hired at 21. The next closest guy was uh, 28. And I think the oldest was 49. So that was surprising. Dang. Yeah, I know. And he did great. I mean, he's he's still with the department. We, You know, so he's in his 60s now. It's crazy. Good for him. But yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, you know, we I just, I tested around. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off. I was oh, yeah. I'm gonna waving at you and cut you off. Did you guys go through like a regional academy or did you guys go through like just take your fire one and two and then come on that way or so yeah so when i so i got my emt did the hazmat all that kind of stuff the first responder thing and then i went to the one and two through um uh, rural metro actually out in scottsdale i did the one and two with them um and then uh when i got hired uh the department that i'm with at the time didn't have a huge budget so they just did uh, like their own little mini academy, like on the job kind of thing. They weren't they weren't able to. They had a time, and it was unfortunate that there was they were sending people through you know through uh, ESI. They were sending people through Phoenix Regional Academy, and um, and then for my the process before mine and my process, they just didn't have the budget to send people uh, down to the academy. So they did their own, and then for every process, I believe after that. No, there was one more process after mine. And then since that, we, you know, everybody goes through an academy. Mm. But uh, so, you know, it was kind of, I, I was really uh, bummed out that I didn't get to that academy experience. I always kind of uh, wished I had that. Yeah. But um, in 2015, I got the opportunity to go down as a mentor in the academy. Nice. Um, and so I got to instill, you know, knowledge that I've learned um, and be the buddy, be the guy that, you know, is trying to guide the next generation and pass on and, and make it better. Um, and I got to, you know, kind of got that, you know, from the outsider's perspective of that academy experience. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, so my department did kind of their own on-the-job thing there. Yeah. So that's uh, Let's talk about that mentor experience for for a second here. The um, We talk a lot on this podcast and in the firehouse and, and around the, the fire service in large about the role of a senior firefighter. Mm-hmm. And... I really think it's incredibly important. And, you know, this idea that being a mentor um, uh, to the Recruit Academy is one thing, right? Because they're just Mm -hmm. thirsty for knowledge. They're they're, anything you tell them, they're like, yes, yes, yes. So 
tell me a little bit about how your perception of the senior firefighter, how, how from mentor to, you know, backseat of a fire truck, like the difference in those roles and, and how you manifest those. Yeah. You know, hands down that I feel like that was the best thing I've done in my career. It was fantastic. I loved it. Loved every second of it. Um, and it's exactly like you said, you got this room full of new firefighters that are just chomping at the bit to get out there and get after it. And, um, you know, you're laying that foundation and setting them up for success. So I, I took it very seriously. Which is a very important responsibility. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I took it very serious. And I was like, what are the things that I wish somebody would have told me right at the beginning? Because um, I got hired very young. I got hired at 21. So I, I admit it, I was an idiot. <laughs> you know, I think we all were at 21. Hey, if we're honest, yeah. right? If we're honest <laughs> with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was an idiot. And so I was just like, you know, being able to learn all the things you know, I, I just imparting knowledge of what not to do versus what to do. And I think they're equally as important. I learned a lot about what's very about what not to do and a lot about what to do. And just um, being able to, like I said, just lay that foundation and tell these guys like, look, we can teach anybody to do this job. We can teach anybody to be a firefighter. Really? I mean, really what it is. I mean, it's just it's a down and dirty job. We just get down with our hands and we just get after it. You can teach anybody to do it. We live in these fire stations for 24, 48 hours. Um, you need to be a good roommate. Mm. You need to be a good person. You need to just, you know, that the rule of, you know, do unto, the, do unto others if you have them do to you. It's exactly what it's like. So just, you know, re, and, and also keeping their priorities straight, you know, as far as um, I told them, you know, I asked them, I would ask them questions, you know, tell me about yourself. Like fire department aside, tell me like, like what we just did here. Where'd you grow up? What, what do you do for, what did you do for a living before this? All that kind of stuff. Tell me about your family and then say, okay, remember, you know, you said you're, you said that you're, you know, a husband, you're a father, you have siblings, whatever. Remember always that you are a husband, you're a father, you know, you're a brother, you're a son, you're all these things and you're a firefighter. And I, you know, I think some people might disagree with me on this when they say, you know, some guys say, oh, the job defines me. And I'm like, I don't, I can't get on board with that person. I don't think this job defines me. It is what I do. It is what I love. And I'm very passionate about it. Yeah. But I'm so many other things outside of the fire service. And I just want these guys to just, you know, remember that. I'm not saying don't like do your job and do it well and work hard, but also remember that you've got another job to do when you get off shift and that's being a part of a family, being, you know, a husband, a son, you know, a father, whatever it is, whatever it is that you do. Um, so that way you just have that total life balance, you know, and, and just makes you happy and healthier firefighter all, all the way around. Uh, yeah. I completely agree with you there. The, the life balance thing. And I would say, you know, I, I do identify as a firefighter. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about that though, is I, I, I align it with, Hey, this is what I do for a living mm-hmm. and, it, and I'm proud of what I do for yep. a living. Right. It's a big, Absolutely. it's an important part of my life yep. and my livelihood and, mm-hmm. and, and it takes up a large portion of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, it's not the only thing I am. Right. Right. And I, I really love what you said. You're a husband, you're a father. You're like I look at it in terms of helmets, right? Like I wear a fire helmet. I wear a dad helmet, you know, like mm-hmm. I wear different hats for yeah. different things that I do. Right. Exactly. And, um, and then, and sometimes it's, kind of remarkable when when people be like oh wait a minute you're a firefighter mm-hmm. oh okay yeah. that's cool yeah because we're so focused on whatever else we're doing you know running or rock climbing or doing boy scouts or doing some other you know outdoor adventure or something like that and yeah that that is the important thing at the time yeah yeah and i just i you know I, that's one thing is i just it just always resonate with me family is very important and my faith and all that stuff it's just important to me and so i just you know remind them that be absolutely be proud of this job. This is this is not everybody does this job, you know, and um but you are more than you're not just a firefighter, not just all these things. Um but be proud of be proud of who you are, but also remember that there's more than that and Yeah. Well really too, what happens if you get injured? Right. And you your ability to um stretch hose gets, you know, limited. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, you, you know, your time on the job gets taken away, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that is a real possibility in this job where injuries are very prevalent. So you have to diversify your, your capacity, diversify your skill sets as a human being. And, yep. and, and you can't put all your chips in just, this is the one thing that I am. Exactly. Cause if it is taken away, then what, yeah, then what exactly? Yeah. That's, that's a scary important. place to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's what, you know, I've, I've shared this a little bit, but I, I had, uh, 
uh, cancerous tumor in my spine a oh, couple wow. of years ago. And it has changed. Uh, my job was, I was in a, in a weird spot because I was going through promotional process at the time. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was working my way out of the fire truck and, and into a different role. Mm-hmm. And so the timing kind of worked out well for me, but I have like neurological damage now and I can't move the same way that I once did. Right. And so I'm like, well, man, if I was if I was trying to climb up and down on a fire truck right now, I would really be going through some mental health issues because yeah. I would I would be struggling with that, right? right. So I, I, I still maintain to fight my for my physical wellness and my physical fitness, but at least luckily I promoted at a time right when this physical change happened and it wasn't stuck there. Mm-hmm. But I look at that and go, man, if I was still trying to get on a truck, what would I be doing? Right. And how would that affect me mentally in my life if that was the only thing I had going on? Mm-hmm. So it is it is a real thing. So we do have to make sure we're uh we are balanced mm-hmm. to use your word yeah. in our life and balanced in our uh mental health and wellness because that could completely come crashing down if we are not prepared for that. Yeah. And that and yeah, and I I felt like I just I wanted to be a good example and let them know that like, you know, this is a fun job. It's supposed to be fun. We're yeah. supposed to laugh. We're supposed to laugh a lot and like we're going to do great things together. We're going to do some not so great things together, but we're still doing it together. And so we're kind of all in this and, and, you know, just teaching them about, you know, there's just so much that comes with that, like the, the brotherhood and the bonding. That's really where that stuff happens is when we're doing, you know, whether it's a code or, you know, that terrible drowning call or whatever it is, or, or like, you know, a, a from my department, whether it's a brush fire and it's 120 out or whatever. And you're you just guys dying. hardly ever run but brush fires. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But you're just like out there and you're just like, this sucks. But you know what? We're all in it together and we're, we're it's sucking together. So it just makes it that much tighter. But just, yeah, just telling these guys, you know, also, you know, the biggest thing that I was like is I just wanted them to, I just wanted to be nice to them because they always said, you know, we, we kind of, at the beginning, they said, we kind of viewed you as like an RTO still, but just a nicer one. And I was like, I, I'm like, You're I, the one we could talk to. Yeah. I'm like, I understand that. But like, yeah, I mean, I am being nice, but like one thing that was a real, it, it was a big sense of pride for me was I was just trying to teach them to just always be nice to people because you never know what's going to happen in your career. And right. there's a guy who, um, he's a captain in Goodyear. And he was an RTO in that academy, and I was a mentor. Well, my department used to have reserves. And so when I was on the job, he got hired at my department as a reserve. So I've got more time on than him, if you want to you know, you want to say that. <laughs> but then he got hired with Goodyear, um, promoted through the ranks. We end up we show up at the academy together. I'm an RTO, or I mean, I'm a mentor as a firefighter. He's an RTO. Right. And I remember we were talking about that, and he said, you know, always be nice to people because you never know. He's like, and then he pointed me out and he's like, Fenton, he's like, this dude was the coolest guy to me when I was a reserve. You know, there's guys that will treat new people like crap, but he's like, he's like, this dude had, you know, he, he's like, he had like, you know, I think I had two or three years on at the time. So I was still fairly new, but he's like, this guy, he could have treated me like a piece of crap reserve. And I would have thought nothing of it, but he's like, this guy was always super nice to me, super helpful out there doing work with, I was always out there doing work with the reserves and just trying to teach them and show them and help them or whatever, just like I was doing the mentor process. And he's like, and now look, I've got rank on him. I'm an RTO and and he's still a firefighter and he's a mentor here. And it's, I will always remember that. He's like, and, and so it's just, I just, what I tell him like, yeah, there it is. Clear as day right there. Yeah. You know, just be nice to people. Yeah. Hey man, at the end of the day, one of the things that we, we talk about this in the fire service, we talk about, we talk about politics, right? And when this is connected because politics, politics, really what that, what they really are is relationships. Right. And the quality of the relationships that we have matters mm-hmm. because if you want to accomplish anything or get anything done, you have to be able to, um, have good favor with people and have trust with right. people as well. And that comes through quality relationships. Yep. And so if you're being a jerk to people and they promote past you now, now look at the quality of the relationship you've established, <laughs> yeah. right? right? You're going to be eating crow and mm-hmm. trying to repair that. And now it's probably too late. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's important to treat people well and regardless of your ambitions right. or theirs, you know, because we all have to get along in this organization, uh, this organization called life right? Right. Yeah, beyond, exactly. beyond just the walls of our, our fire departments. Mm-hmm. The, uh, 
regardless of where you are, you have to have good relationships in order to get stuff done. Yeah. And uh, so how do you, how do you, um, share that same philosophy with, as a senior firefighter in, in the backseat of the fire truck? Um, yeah, you know, again, it's just, uh, trying to exemplify it for sure, you know, and, and just, uh, showing them, you know, whether it's a brand new guy, you know, um, who's got one day on the truck or, you know, a guy who's even, I mean, that's the thing is one thing that I've learned is being a senior firefighter doesn't necessarily, I don't I'm trying to think how I want to put this like time on the time on the job, I think doesn't necessarily equate to experience for sure. I, that's something that I've learned, um, the hard way on, on some call, especially when I was acting captain for a couple of years, I learned that the hard way. Um, and, uh, but it's just really, it's just encouraging guys to constantly be challenging themselves, constantly be learning constantly. Uh, just like I've taken advantage of every opportunity that's, that's come my way as far as, you know, when I got on the job, I kind of had goal, like a big wide reaching goal of like, I want to be a captain one day. Um, never had any plans to be a paramedic paramedic school came up. Um, actually had a, my dad had a heart attack. Um, and I just remember we called 911. We were actually in Washington DC when it happened. We called 911. Arlington County fire came out and I had no clue what was going on. And I hated that feeling. And it's just like, anytime I have a call now, if even, even now as a paramedic, if there's a, if there is a call that we run on, you know, and you know, people call 911 for anything and everything. And you just, sometimes you get those calls where you're really like, I don't know what I've gone through everything I can think of in my mind, trying to narrow down what's going on. And I still don't know. Um, you know, and then you transport that patient to the hospital and then I pick the doctor's brain and the doctor goes, Oh, it's this, this, and that I'll go back and research whatever it is that he said, because I just don't like that feeling of not knowing what the heck is going on. And I want to learn. And so that's, that's kind of the thing that I've tried to instill into new guys is, um, always be trying to, you know, it's, you're really just, you don't want to get stagnant, you know, you don't want to get burnt out. And if you're feeling that, that, you know, feeling stagnant or burnt out, change it up, figure out how you can do it. You know, I've, I've gone to paramedic school. I've gone to hazmat. I'm a hazmat tech. So I've taken advantage of every, every opportunity that there is to come my way and have made myself the most, uh, I guess, employable, if you will, throughout the department. So I can work you know, I can act engineer. I'm on the captain's list right now, so I can act as a captain. So I just, you know, again, just trying to don't be that guy that, that, and also just being engaged, just be engaged, be involved. We're not asking you to come to every event, you know, like if, if we're going to walk for, you know, labor for something or whatever, you know, we're, you know, my department going for a bond, you know, they're not asking you to come to every single event. Just come, come to what, come, just do something, do your part somehow, you know, don't let, don't like the standard thing. Don't let 10% of the organization do 90% of the work kind of right. thing, you know? And so just be engaged, be involved and, uh, don't have the attitude that I got mine, you know, just get yours and help somebody else get theirs too. You know, yeah. you know, it's interesting you say that because even if, even if you have no aspirations, let's just say you are you came in as a BLS firefighter and you that is you reached it that's it for you you're happy and you're right. totally satisfied with being a BLS firefighter and you you know this idea of going to hazmat or or taking extra classes or whatever doesn't appeal to you because you don't feel like you're going to try to promote or whatever right. or or you have no aspirations other than that right that's fine mm-hmm. we need really really highly qualified and highly capable, yes, yes. you know, BLS firefighters. So what I would say is that's great. What are you doing to be the absolute yeah. best at your job, right? To, to remove any, any gaps in your knowledge and, and to ensure that there's no rust accumulating on any one of your skill sets, right? Like every day you come to work, there is something you can be doing to improve the quality of your capacity exactly. and to improve yourself. So, yeah, I don't, uh, there's, you know, you should never be resting right. on your laurels. Cause if you're at, if you're at, uh, if you're sitting still moss and rust is yeah, accumulating on you, sure. right. And your, your KSAs, your knowledge, skills and abilities are going to diminish, right. Cause yeah. they just, they just are perishable and uh, they do diminish if we don't exercise them. So you got to continue to continue to strive even if you have the position that you've always wanted. 
you know. Yeah, that's a great point because yeah, that that's exactly it. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, if you want to if you want to stay in that role, that's fine. But this is this is a craft. You know, you've got welders, and they they, they no welder wants to just be a mediocre welder. They want to do great work. They want to be a great craftsmanship. This is a craft. So yeah, exactly like you said, yeah. be a master of your craft. If you're going to be a backseat firefighter, then be the best backseat firefighter there is. Yep. Hey man, I was uh, a medic student. And there was a senior BLS firefighter who was on my rig. And I remember, like, I am i have no idea what's happening, right? Like, I, I have all these these uh, drug profiles in my head and all these things I've learned through the course of my medic program. Plus, I've only got three or so years on the job at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm overwhelmed. And this salty BLS guy, he's like, hey, what about this? Hey, do you need, um, <laughs> do you need some aspirin right now? <laughs> How about morphine? Yeah. How about oxygen? And I'm like, oh, this guy knows <laughs> this guy knows the job better than I do. Yeah. Right. And he and afterwards, I'm like, hey man, wow, like, oh, thanks for carrying me. Yeah. In there, I was, you know, I was losing my mind, and and he he just said, hey man, I've been doing this job a long time, and mm-hmm. I know how to be an amazing medic tender. Yeah. He goes, that's what I do. He goes, I know what my medics need, you know. And it got to the point where we'd be doing a call. I'm in the middle of my interview and I just put my hand out and an IV pops into it. Right. Oh, yeah. He'd, he'd, he'd spike the bag and he'd be set to go. I turn around and be like, I need a, and there it is already ready. Oh yeah. You know, and that was the level of capacity that he had as an EMT. He yeah. was able to read the room. He knew what was going on. He knew his job. He was amazing. So that's the, the, you know, just even if you realize, Hey man, I've got what I want. Mm-hmm. How can you be the best at it? Yeah. Right. Striving is important. I think really obviously clearly based on what we we're just saying, yeah. right? that oh, is yeah. really important. So, so you became a medic and, uh, and, um, you know, we're talking about senior firefighters here and I didn't know, uh, you're in the promotional process or you right. think yeah. you're going to get made. Um, it looks like it. Um, I don't know. I mean, we never know. COVID has really <laughs> changed everything. So we, uh, I took the test and I took, went through the process in February, um, I got number three. So congratulations. So thanks. Yeah. So we're. Uh, I'm hopeful. It's a two year list. They do have the the option to extend it for a year. And with COVID and everything going on, I yes. I can't imagine it not getting. You know. Yeah. But um, there's there's definitely some growth on the potential. We're potentially going to open up another station, so that would be three right there. Um. So, uh, it. it I'm hopeful. Yeah. I don't want to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, because you never yeah. know. I've definitely been doing it long enough to know that. <laughs> <laughs> nothing's yours till it is yours you yeah know? i know and yeah this uh <laughs> yeah it's challenging because we you know you have organizations being impacted by budget and and taxes and you know, oh yeah all this stuff it's, it's really difficult to forecast what that's going to really look like right so um so as a would-be company officer mm-hmm. let me ask you let me ask you to forecast here what do you think is going to change what changes for you as you are, um, what changes in your philosophy, what changes in your, um, the execution of your responsibilities as a firefighter, as you go through this promotional process? I think for me, um, definitely, well, one, you, you have to switch gears and I'm not saying you change yourself as a person, but you're switching gears in the sense of, um, we talked about earlier about switching those hats and, you know, you're, you, you can be a buddy, but like, there's a book called, you know, going from buddy to boss, you know, and like, you do have to be a boss, but you don't have to be a boss all the time. And just remembering, you know, um, that guys are, we're grown adults, we're grown men and we should be men and women. And we should be able to, (laughs) it's funny. I'm just thinking about like, when I say should, it's a, there's a lot of shoulds there because we all know the guys that, um, (laughs) got different lengths of leashes like this guy just you know this guy's correction you just need a look the other guy you need everything short of a smack in the back of the head to get them to stop doing what they're doing or to turn their attitude around but just i think for me it's the responsibility really what it is 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 you know as a um as a senior firefighter i'm responsible for myself and i'm responsible for the less senior guy and and i'm, I'm responsible for keeping everybody's responsible for keeping each other safe but i mean as that company officer like ultimately if something goes wrong, it is on you. Even if somebody makes that bad decision, it's on you. And so it's just, it's for me, it's laying a culture within the station. Um, it's empowering my guys to empower them to be the best firefighter if they want to stay there or to 
move them up to be an engineer, move them up in the captain's seat. I'll sit back and I'll sit backwards and help them up front, whatever it is. It's just, it's setting that culture of, um, you know, using if, if I have, if I got a guy in the back seat who like, we have a guy on our department who is, um, he's like operations chief level in the wildland world, but he's a firefighter with us, you know? So if, if I'm his captain and he's in the back seat, I'm not just going to say, well, I'm the captain and I know the best, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to defer to him if I have any questions and things like that. But it's just, I just want to set a culture, uh, of guys feeling empowered. Um, I want to set a culture of guys, uh, that when they make a decision, they know that I'm going to be behind them going to bat for them. And, uh, and I just want them to reflect me if they're out there doing it. I want them to reflect me and, uh, you know, when my crew looks good, it makes me look good and I don't even have to do anything. You know, my crew does something, it makes me look good. And that's not why they're out there, not out there to make me look good. But, you know, if I'm leading it, if I'm leading that and setting that example, you know, I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I answered that question very well. Or no, not, I think you did. It's, it's the thing that I heard that the overarching theme of what I heard you just say was ownership. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important principle to, uh, build your captainship on, right? right? Recognizing that you, uh, as a captain, have a stewardship over not only the the station and the company that you have assigned to you and the men and women who are assigned on your truck, but you also have a stewardship in the community, right? Mm -hmm. The organization gives you a slice of the pie, right? For a 24-hour, 48-hour, in your case, cycle, right? And so as the company officer, and I, this may be a little bit of a reach, but you're responsible for everything that happens in that first two area Oh yeah, for that period of time. And that is a very important and large responsibility. So when I think about that, and I think of it in terms of like knowing where your care homes are, like where are your high risk areas, right? Where are the hazmat located at? Where, uh, what type of construction do you have in your area? And have you walked those buildings? Do you understand how those buildings operate and how they're going to, um, how they're going to react under fire load, et cetera. Right. right? So it's important as a company officer to gain a, a perspective that is uh, more global than that of a firefighter, right? There's the rule of sixes. I think they call it the firefighter has the six foot perspective. Mm -hmm. The uh, company officer has a 60 foot perspective, right? 600 feet out for your BC department level, 60,000 foot. Right. So, when you're, and this is kind of applied to the fire ground, but I like I like to extend it out a little bit. As a company officer, you have a your entire first due mm-hmm. is your responsibility, yeah. and you need to know what's going on there. Um, so it's a it's a big responsibility, yeah. and and I like your approach to it. With when it comes to ownership, that's important. Yeah, and you're the and you're the like you said in, in that first due, you know, you're the face of the fire chief. Really, you know, you're. You're the fire face of the fire chief out there in the public in the grocery stores yeah. on calls. Yes. Um, and even to your crew, you know, like you're that, you're that guy when stuff comes down the line, you know, you got to do that dance of hearing your guys, making sure that they feel heard and making sure that, um, they know that you are with them, but also supporting what's coming down, supporting the organization and not yes. just going, I don't agree with this, but this is what they're doing, you know, yeah. cause that's just going to breed that's bitterness. Leadership. And, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and we've all experienced it. We, we've had guys that we, like I said, when I talked about earlier, um, things that I've learned that were wrong and things that I've learned, I've right. I've worked under great captains and I've worked under terrible captains and I've learned equally as much from both of them yeah. on what I do want to do when I'm a captain and what I don't want to do. When I'm yeah. A there are people who can be a great example of how not to behave, right? <laughs> exactly. hundred yeah. percent. So you brought up something I thought was cool because the, uh, this idea that the company officer has to be, uh, you are the face of the organization, mm-hmm. right? There are so many times you think about this, people call nine one one and they, they will never meet the fire chief, right? Right. They're going to meet captain Fenton mm-hmm. and that's it. And, yeah that you are the representative of the organization to them. So you have to represent well. And I would add to that, the the chief of your organization can write policy and holler mandates and can stand on top of the pillar and you know yell out the expectations for the organization. Mm-hmm. But the company officer is the operational is is the person who will operationalize all those edicts. Mm-hmm. Right? Your job, you're the pivot point in the organization. Mm-hmm. So um, they can make all these mandates and scream and yell and shake their fists, but unless you make it happen mm-hmm. at the company level, 
Uh, it's not going to happen. Exactly. So it's a very important responsibility and, um, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. So you talked about culture and so I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit here. And, uh, you know, you have, uh, the culture of social media is a really interesting thing because there was a, a, a while back, um, this might be quite some years ago now, I don't know how many, maybe 10 or 15, right? MySpace was a thing. Yeah, I think it was over f- 10 for sure. It's further back than that. <laughs> yeah. So we had a couple firefighters do a MySpace thing and get their butts in a ringer, oh, right, yeah. back in the day. And uh-huh. I think that, I think the reason I bring that up is because fire departments and all of us in society have grown a little bit in the social media sphere mm-hmm. and it's becoming more acceptable. And, right. uh, and I think that fire departments are still struggling mm-hmm. with how to use social media effectively sure. and how to use it appropriately. And, um, and so that lends me, leads me right into rather into to your story. So you, you have a, uh, a very funny Instagram page and, and videos that you put out there freaking hilarious. Um, mostly poking fun at the fire service, you know, sure. at ourselves, mm-hmm. and which is a great topic of, of fodder, <laughs> great fodder for humor. Right. So, but I know you ran into a teeny bit of resistance in the beginning and I want to talk about kind of your story and how it's evolved and changed and, and where you are, where you were and where you are today. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, it was, yeah, it was 10 years ago when I made my first, uh, video. I've always, I've always loved humor. I've always loved comedy. I've always loved music. Um, well, your dad was a cop, so it makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) So, and I learned everything from him. He's a funny, funny guy. And, uh, you got to uh, have a sense of humor to be a cop. <laughs> oh yeah, you definitely do, for sure. And uh yeah, so he it, or so I um I made a video like 10 years ago and it um it's called My Knee Hurts Now. If listeners, if you haven't seen it, you can it look, look it up on YouTube. <laughs> a freaking cult classic in my <laughs> humble opinion. Yeah. It's amazing. So and it was a, you know, yeah, it was a musical parody and really so my department every year we do a banquet and it was an awards banquet and, and, um, it's a charity fundraiser as well for our firefighters charities. And, um, so, you know, banquets and things like that can get kind of boring when it's just listening to one person after another talking and, you know, and doing this and doing that and whatever. And so they were like, we want to have some kind of something to break up the night, something to give a little, you know, comedic, whatever. So I was like, all right. I was like, I'll make a video. Were you already doing stuff, other kind of videos or stuff like this, or is this like your first foray into this at all? So I had made videos in like high school for like projects, okay. but I never did anything after that. Um, and I t- actually, I take that. I had made some videos with friends, but as far as like anything on social media, I was making stuff on YouTube, but it was just like little funny skits that I had done with my buddies or whatever. And I think before this video, I think I had maybe 300 views on one of my videos, and I was like ecstatic about that. And I had, I don't think I had any subscribers that weren't family or friends. <laughs> so, so, um, I made this video and it was a musical parody to Lady Annabellum, um, the, their song, I need you now. And it was, it was actually, so at the time I was on a rescue, um, which is, uh, in our system, we call them rescues, but other systems we just call them ambulances, but they have firefighters on them. Um, so, um, I know you're in the same business for the listener. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I get <laughs> but, it absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> sometimes um, you gotta, you gotta, we gotta spell out the acronym. Exactly, yeah, because <laughs> a lot of guys will go, "Well, rescue, that's different." Yeah, right. But, not a heavy, we're not a heavy rescue. We're talking light, like, light, a, light. like an ambulance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was on the rescue with my partner Dave, and it was literally like you know a quarter after one in the morning, and that song came on the radio, and we had just come back from like a knee pain call. We transported this lady. <laughs> And it was like, I've been having this knee pain for two weeks. You know, she calls us at like, you know, 1230 at night. And we're just like, you know, going through the standard. Well, what's changed? Oh, nothing. So you just thought this was a good good a time as ever to call? Yep. Okay. <laughs> so that's, I'm up. You might as well be up. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Oh, oh, good. Well, I got the night crew. Yeah, you sure did. And the day crew. You know? <laughs> so uh, we... Uh, we're listening and you know i just kind of sang that line you know it's a quarter after one call 911 because my knee hurts now and me and my partner started busting up laughing and then i was like man maybe i'll make a video to that song i'll just do the whole song i'll redo the lyrics redid it filmed it um i put it on youtube 
for the guys well, who hold on, ship. hold on. There's a really important part of this that you're not mentioning, which is that your wife stars yeah. in it. Yeah, my wife. Yeah, How did so. you get her to participate in this nonsense? So, well, one, I if she would have known it was going to do, it was going to do. She never would have done it. Okay, <laughs> but uh, she's a phenomenal singer. No, that's actually how we met. We met at our church doing music together. She's an amazing singer, and um, so yeah, I rewrote the lyrics, and that song, of course, is a duet. And so we sang it together, and she played the uh, the nine one one caller, the system abuser, really, who's <laughs> calling for something that's not really an emergency. And uh, so she called, or so we we do it. I make the video, we post it on, I post it up on YouTube, and I put it on there for the guys who were on shift and couldn't make it to the banquet. And so I was like, hey, here's the video. Go ahead and watch it. So the night of the banquet put on this big projector. It's at this big country club, whatever. Put on the big projector. It starts to play, and the room just erupts. And it was one of those things where, like, I've watched it so many times editing it that yeah. I'm like, I, I'm not sure if it's funny anymore. I think it might be dumb. Like, <laughs> I'm, like, totally feel – I was super nervous. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm really putting myself out there right now. Like, oh, like, I'm setting myself up some, for either huge acceptance or major rejection right now. And it starts playing – and the room just erupts in laughter. And I remember looking at my wife, and she's like, oh, my gosh, the people are so loud because people are <laughs> hooting and hollering and laughing and cheering and clapping, and the video ends, and the place just erupts in, like, applause. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> and so, and then everybody who it was there is asking, where can I get this video? Where can I see it? And so you like, show it to family, and you show it to friends. Yeah, like, yeah. and so I start sharing the link, and, and um, I put it on my personal Facebook or whatever, and then it just took off and then we woke up the next morning and it was, I mean, well on its way to a million views. It was like, holy cow, what just happened? You know, and it just kept going and going and going. And then, yeah, like you said, it it did create a little bit of a buzz. I did get some pushback. Um, And again, it was like you talked about, I think people just didn't, I mean, I didn't even understand the power of social media and how it, it really can be a good thing. It can also be a bad thing. Um, and so I think just the, the lack of general lack of knowledge on both sides just generated fear. Yeah. And so, you know, there people just reacting out of fear, like, nope, get rid of it, take it down. So we took it down because people were afraid that, um, uh, that it was going to paint firefighters in a bad Sends light. the wrong message. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so we took it down. And this was before I was like YouTube savvy. I could have just unpublished it, but I like deleted it altogether. <laughs> um, but so I, I take it down, uh, and then I get a call from our labor, and they're like, hey, why'd you take it down? And I was like, oh, I was catching some grief from this group and this group, and they're like, no, put it back up. It's a great video. It doesn't paint us in a bad light, so put it back up. Then I get some other like political entities telling me, take it down. You got to take this down. I'm like, no. So they're saying... Uh, you know, take it down or whatever. And and then, so my labor says, no, it's fine. Put it back up. So we put it back up. Um, it blows up even faster this time. Um, and like, oh, that, and that was, oh, that's what I was going to say. Um, that political entity they called, then my fire chief called and said, uh, why did you take that video down? And I said, well, because of this group or whatever. And he's like, Hey, I think it's hilarious. I support you. Put it back up. So we put it back up, and, and my department has a fire board, and he's like, you know, we just want to make sure that we keep our fire board happy, which makes sense. You know, we don't want to – I don't want to do anything that's going to make anything bad in my department or fire board or anybody. So put it back up, um, and then, I, again, I think it was just nerves. It was decided it was probably best if we took it down because you could see where I worked. Again, nobody had any clue that this thing was going to blow up like that. So I just thought, oh, it's really only going to stay within my department. Yeah, I made this for a department, an internal project. Yeah, exactly. And so we learned. So needless to say, my department has a social media policy because of that. So it's like (laughs) it's like the Brent policy. (laughs) But yeah, it took off, and uh, you know, I my fire chief said, hey, you know, we learned a lesson on this one. I love the stuff. I think it's fantastic. You do it very tastefully. Uh, you know, if you make other ones, just don't put any identifiers in it. And I said, perfect. And been operating that way ever since. And it's been, it's been great. So to be clear is you, I know it went up, it went out, it went up, down is my knee hurt now still available for viewing. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, because it's freaking yes, amazing. It like, is. If you haven't seen it yet, you have to watch it. Yeah. So I so when I put it back up, so I re-edited and I blurred out where I work oh, on the so you can't see it. So I put it back up and it's and it's out there. I'm sure you could. You know, I'm sure there's going to be people out there going to be digging and digging and digging, but <laughs> it's out there. It's all over the place. It's on so many other websites and so many other things. But yeah, it just really it really took off. You know, it hit. Um, some of the bigger firefighter pages like like Statter nine one one and Firehouse and all these different large you know publication things for firefighters it blew up and you know there was things on there. How do we feel about this? You know, and it oh, I would say, um, so asking people asking yeah. how how do we feel yeah. about this, etc. What yeah. kind of so what kind of response did you get from that? So yeah, oh I would say over overall. It was probably, I would say, like 95% positive. I did have some major haters. That was when I learned about the things that people say in the comment section. Well, that was where I definitely learned that comment sections in general are bad for your health. Yeah. (laughs) Don't even engage. But the things people were saying, I'm like, wow, you really, you don't even know me, but you really hate me because I made a funny video. And like, there was, there was literally, and it also just, blew my mind on the reach that social media has. I had a a police officer from Australia who was gung-ho on me losing my job. Dang. He kept reposting the video, kept reposting it, kept reposting the original one. And I just messaged him and said, hey, man, if you could just stop because, um, you know, my chief asked me to take it down. I took it down. Um, You keep reposting it. It does – it does – reveal where I work and we're just trying to do at this point damage control or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, F you you think you can do what you want. Can you I, do it in an Australian accent? Yeah, like, I want like, some authenticity yeah, here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> F you mate. Yeah, F you mate. You think you can do what you want. You know, <laughs> I hope you lose your job. See you later. No, <laughs> no but nicely done. Literally was like you should you know, I, I hope you lose your job, all this stuff and so uh, you know, fortunately YouTube is really good with the copyright infringement stuff. Uh-huh. So I just put a copyright claim on it and they give you three strikes and after the third strike they just removed his whole page. Nice. <laughs> so but I yeah, I did I did get some, some hate and funny thing, I think the best thing is is I've gone to a lot of like I went to a company officer leadership symposium and I'm sitting in there. And there's a handful of people in there who know who I am. They're sitting there and they're like, oh, that's that video guy. And I talked to my break. <laughs> and then <laughs> there's a chief. I can't even remember where he was from. Somewhere back east. He's doing his presentation. And before he starts, he plays my video. And I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go. <laughs> and his topic was about social media. Oh, boy. And I was just like, oh, yes. I was like really excited. Like, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait to hear the reviews and or the opinions on what we were thinking on this. And it was, I would say it was probably about 90% of the room was like, this is great. And there was 10% that were very, very strong in their beliefs that it was an embarrassment to the fire service, should have never been done, that I should have lost my job, this whole thing, blah, blah, this whole deal. And then, and they said, uh, and this chief who still doesn't know that I'm in the class, he's like saying how it played out in my oh. department, but it's not entirely true. Well, he's, he's, of course he's not accurate. How yeah, could he be? Yeah. yeah and so I'm like, listen to him. And so then I just raised my hand and he's like, yeah. And I said, ah, uh, can I correct you on a couple of things? Cause I was like, I made that video. That's me. In and there. he's like, Oh my gosh, it is you. And then, <laughs> and then you see the other guys that were like saying, this is bull crap. They're like, Oh geez. You know? And I just said, and I, you know, I just explained to him exactly what happened, how it happened, why it happened. Right. Um, and then, you know, it, it was, I think, overall, it, it was definitely one of those, for some of them, it was agree to disagree, which is fine. We don't have to all agree on something. But um, I definitely, that was the big thing, was it was just educating the the, the room. And this is what that, the chief who was doing it was in favor. He, he liked it. And he was just, it was, again, it was just educating. Like, social media can be a very powerful tool for good, especially if you're on it, ahead of some kind of scandal if you say you know if, you know right. what i mean like you see departments that don't ever do anything on social media but then something bad happens in their department and then they're all over the place everybody's like oh now you're here now you you know <laughs> so it's like you'd rather be doing like you said building that relationship than trying to repair and right you know right yeah man that's a well thank you for sharing that whole story because yeah. it's really it's really 
educational and it's super cool to kind of hear the origin story of that video and um you know i would love for people who haven't seen it to go and watch that video right. and to you know get their own opinion about it right i think there are some folks in the fire service who think hey man they, they kind of go with the uh, special operations type of theme right we're silent professionals right um but we are not very silent we're very in the community very uh, much a part of the community they see what we do and and there's a lot of misconceptions about what we do so if there's ways you know if we're able to poke fun at ourselves and wait and able to highlight the stuff that we do that's good and and positive and meanwhile make jokes at ourselves in certain ways mm-hmm. maybe there's education in there as well right mm-hmm. but having a sense of humor about you know getting up in the middle of the night can be you know, an opportunity to open a door toward a conversation about sleep deprivation mm-hmm. and a conversation about the appropriate utilization of 911 right. and a, and maybe even open a conversation about alternative methods of service, right? And that could, we're going down a deep rabbit hole here, but we start talking about <laughs> yeah. like what is the value in sharing what we do? Well, mm-hmm. it's a part it's a part of it's about starting a conversation and you know, I know that we have to be very thoughtful and careful about the message that we share, Absolutely. but I think it's important at, to have the conversation and to share what we do and to share, uh, you know, the thoughts and ideas that we have about what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Cause I, I can't think of a single person who would be like, yeah, it makes perfect sense that I should call 911 in the middle of the night. What it really points to is this idea that people don't know what else to do. We've right. taught them to call 911, and then we haven't given them any other resources or tools. And so in the middle of the night when they're alone yeah. and they don't know what else to do, the default mechanism is yeah. I just call 911. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, it's, you know, I don't ever, people were like, oh, you know, you're, you know, I got people viewing it as you're complaining about getting woken up after midnight it's like no that's not it at all do i enjoy it no and then nobody enjoys getting woken up like even at your own house you don't enjoy waking <laughs> up to even go to the bathroom like you'd rather stay sleeping but it is part of the job and so i gladly do it and and people are like oh you're just you know whatever blah blah you're you're making fun of people who call 911 they could have a serious and i'm like okay first of all this is strictly satire and i'm not making fun of anybody i am highlighting that there is a – it definitely, like you said, it definitely generated the conversation, especially I was even seeing in the comment section. People are like, wait, people call 911 for that? I was like, oh, you would be – your mind would be blown <laughs> for the things that people call 911 with. 100%. Yeah. I had a guy call – this is one of my favorites. We roll – knock on the door. A guy comes to the door in his bathrobe. It's 3 in the morning. Yeah. Everything – every fun – all the fun stuff happens at 3 exactly. in the morning. Yeah. He comes to the door and he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you guys are here. Come on in. And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. And the, the information we got on the way to the call was very vague at best. And he says, I was asleep and I had a dream that I was, that I was passing out <laughs> and I woke up. So I thought I better call. <laughs> so I'm like, seriously, bro, yeah. you, you had a dream that you were going to have a syncable episode. And so you call, okay. Yeah. All right. We're going to go now. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. yeah, it so it it is mind-numbing sometimes when you think, "Wow," because people don't always know how to use a system, and those who do would never dream, right. would never think of calling. Exactly. In the middle of the night. Exactly. Well, that's interesting the the amount of pushback you get. And it makes sense. I've heard lots of social media folks who are kind of big in the social media world talk about the 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 negative vitriol that gets spewed oh, yeah. uh, on those comment pages and so you've you know, obviously you've lived outlived that yeah. and now you've moved on and you've got a ton uh, a catalog of other really fun videos yeah. that are that are hilarious and what type of response are you receiving from those now I'd say more and over now everybody is very very supportive they they um it, it's my my videos. I've definitely expanded for sure. I, I've, I've, you know, I'm trying to reach broader audiences, things like that. Just my style of production has changed. Um, before I was only doing like the music parodies, which I still love to do, and I still do those. Um, it's a lot of work, though. It is. It is a lot of work, and having f- four small kids and things like that, and finding the time, it makes it difficult. Um, there's a lot of pre-production and post-production on those, but now, now, you know, especially with cell phones with cameras being so prevalent and everybody's consuming on their cell phones. Now I, I can just film videos 
real quick. Like I pop, like literally, I can come back from a call, and this was just here's an example of how it happens. People are like, oh, how do you come up with your ideas? I'm like, man, well, one, I just pay attention to what's going on around me, you know, and and it's not hard. It's not hard <laughs> to see humor everywhere. Exactly, it's not hard to see the comedy. Sometimes you got to dig a little bit for the most part, but like, you know, I took my headset off, and the little headset pulled one of my hairs out. I'm like, oh gosh, and I was like. That ha- I, there's no way I'm the only person that that has happened oh, that's to. That's happened to me a hundred times. So I immediately was like, I'm going to make a video. You know, and I'm like, Bink. And I, it took me like five minutes to make the video, put it up there. It blew up. People are like, oh my gosh, yes, that is so funny, blah, blah, you know. And, yeah. and then, and then of course, and then it just springs all these other things where these guys are sharing it with their bald friends. And they're like, ha, ha, yeah, real funny, you know, <laughs> you know, things like this that. This is the path. <laughs> yeah. So, but, it, but I would say overall, um, people are, they're really engaging and I, I have a large audience that's not fire service. And I think it's because they're, you know, public safety in general, this world, whether we're police or fire, uh, first responders, things like that is kind of unknown. And so it's very intriguing. Hence why you see live PD, live rescue, all these things. And it's a peek behind the curtain, but this is a peek behind the curtain into those shows are seeing what's going on when you get, when you go on the calls, this is what's happening behind the doors when you get back to the fire station where people always hear, oh, I'm sure you guys are joking around. Your jokes was this and that. It's like, yeah, we are. And, yeah. and But we're also doing our job. But like, here's a little sneak peek. And I think that's what's really intriguing and people really enjoy it. Yeah. And I keep it, for me, it's a it's a priority that I keep it clean. Yeah. That it that it's it's consumable by all ages, you know. So you could li- your kid could literally jump on my channel, and you don't have to worry about oh, what's he gonna say next or what's he gonna see because my kids watch all my videos; they love it. Granted, people who don't know me, that's not really saying much, but you know. Yeah. But I but you know again, like I said, I love when I get that feedback from people how I've created a moment where uh, you know a dad who's a firefighter or a mom who's a firefighter can show a video to their family laugh and when the family doesn't really understand it they can explain it to them and it's like oh you're now they're you know everybody's learning everybody's enjoying it together and so right. i love that yeah uh, yeah I, I ran home and showed my wife the way back in the day my knee hurts now and yeah. we had a great laugh over that it's it is it is um a great peek behind the curtain and a great way to to share with folks who aren't in the system who aren't in the game so to speak with us um oh and i did sorry total go back here for a second I you have a video where the, the captain jumps off the truck with his headset on, <laughs> yeah. and when I was an engineer, I don't know why, but as an engineer, when I would you know I was in a hurry to set the brake, jump off, throw some wheel chocks, and two or three times I jumped off with my headset on because I'm still listening to radio traffic. Oh, yeah. as a, yep. you know. And anyway, well, more than half of my <laughs> yeah. video ideas are actual events from me <laughs> from the real <laughs> from, from the real books yeah. yeah that so that yeah that one resonated deeply with me i'm like yeah. mm, yes <laughs> yeah. i physically can remember the feeling of it tugging me back and yeah. <laughs> oh yeah good stuff oh yeah that's great man well i'm uh it what um what do you got cooking what's in the future yeah you know i've uh i've I've got a few videos. I definitely have a, a bunch that are in kind of in the chamber as far as uh, musical parodies. I think I have about ten. I just kind of sat down and and uh, hammered out a lot of ideas. It just kind of came flying. So I've got a bunch of musical parodies. I got a lot of other just little short clips that I want to do. Um, I got one that I'm gonna. I have a series that I'm working. I'm writing it right now, um, and it's been inspired by Arizona because. This year, we were supposed to. This was supposed to be the wettest monsoon we've had in years, and we've had, you know, like zero, zero rain. Yeah, and it's been terrible. And so I've always said, you know, you know, a meteorologist, a weatherman, is, is the only guy that can be wrong consistently as many times as they are <laughs> and still have a job. And so I want to do a uh, a series of. What if a weatherman was a paramedic? What if a weatherman was a firefighter? What if a weatherman was this? And it's just going to be, you know, okay, like, that's hilarious. you know, somebody's saying they're having chest pain and I'm reading the EKG and trying to explain it to them kind of in weatherman terms. And they're like, you know, am I going to make it? And be like, oh, there's a 20% chance that, you know, whatever. And then, just, and then look, look back and then have it beep, and look and they're like, ah, oh, shoot. I, you know, I was wrong on that one. You know, just something like I got to kind of conceptualize that one a little bit, but I, like it. I, I know it's going. there. I know it can be funny. So Nice. I like it. So if, uh, where folks are looking to find your stuff, where are they going to find you on social media? 
You can find me on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, uh, TikTok. All those are Firefighter Fenton, just at Firefighter Fenton, all one word. And then uh, uh, I also have a Twitter, and that's just Firefighter Fent, just because it doesn't like Because Twitter. Because it's Twitter, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, pretty much any social media, I'm on there. And you can just search Firefighter Fenton, and you'll find me there, too. Right on. So, yeah. Well, I'll throw a link in the show notes, and that'll be in there. And um, I uh, super appreciate you sitting down and, and rapping with me. I really enjoy the conversation and uh, look forward to I look forward with with great anticipation yeah. for your future products, uh, projects rather. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Right on. Hey, folks, that's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. Brent, special thanks to you for taking time out of your day and out of your life to come and sit and rap with us. Uh, much appreciated. As always, if you guys have questions, comments, uh, concerns, words of wit that you would like to share, please feel free to reach out via Facebook or Instagram or uh, via email, old school style. Uh, I can be found at Rain Gray at firegroundfitness.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Now, go on out there and get some.